0: I'll show you mine. Warning, this podcast may contain filter-free oversharing, parenting fails, carb loading, more vodka than soda, and many, many Tom Hardy references. Please step away from the celebrity and the buffet table. Now I don't know about you, but bloody hell I've been lucky when it's come to my career. Hands down, I feel like I've had some of the best jobs in the world. Ooh. Okay, maybe with the exception of a stint as a dish pig when I was 14 at a restaurant, and I use that term loosely, at a motorway services in South Wales. Anyway, as well as feeling like I've hit the employment jackpot, I've also been pretty lucky not to get the sack on several occasions. My first job straight from university was working for a publishing house in Stockport. Now, for those unfamiliar with that town, Stockport is geographically a mere kebab throw from Manchester. We produce trade magazines for the nightclub and restaurant industry. So, in a nutshell, we covered bar, restaurant, nightclub openings around the UK. Fresh from my student life, filled with tuna pasta poor hookup choices and overdrafts, to suddenly find myself in a job where I got to go and enjoy a free bar every week and got paid for my trouble. That was like winning the lottery. Saying that, the first event I went to was a nightclub opening in Brighton, which is about four hours from Stockport. I loved it. I had a ball. I met some cool people and I enjoyed all the free drinks cards that were thrown my way. In the morning, I felt rough as a badger and so Very, very dusty, I hit the buffet breakfast at the hotel to try and soak up the alcohol. Buffets and I don't get on. I mean, we do. We get on too well. And in short, I just don't know when to stop. It's a bit like when I go to a sushi train. I just keep going, much like the train. When the food supply is continuous, then sort of so is my appetite. Anyway, after I'd devoured all the food stations and had had my own personalised omelette served to me at my table, it was time to hit the road. I hopped in the back with Matt and Alan, my new co-workers in the front. Alan was a designated driver and he just got his new company car. It was flash and black, shiny, oh, and it had that lush smell you get from new leather interiors. About an hour into the journey home, I started to feel queasy. Oh, I opened the window and I gulped down the fresh air. Yeah, that was better. It's going to be okay. Well, it was for a moment anyway. Then that wave of nausea hit, followed by that rush of saliva to your mouth. Oh dear. Deep breaths. Come on. You'll be fine. My inner voice tried to reassure me. Oh no. Oh, I managed to get my mouth to my hand just in time. Well, technically not really. The projectile vomit came out at Usain bolt speed and pierced through my fingers and hit Matt and Alan on the back of their heads and sprayed the new leather interiors. I won't lie. The most awkward three-hour journey then ensued. We stopped at the first petrol station we found to wipe my breakfast off the leather seats and to pick bits of bacon out of my co-worker's hair. Not my finest hour. However, when we returned to the office, instead of getting my marching orders, I got a bloody standing ovation. And so began three of the most amazing years. Loving my job and trying to take it easier at buffets. A million years later, I'm still great mates with Matt and I'm still crap at portion control. Sadly, the projectile vomit wasn't my only workplace fail. There have been several more. I moved to Australia in 2000 and all of my jobs here have been in various roles within the entertainment industry. My first job when I hit Sydney was with Sony Music. Literally... This was my dream job. It was better than Christmas when I got the gig. I remember I went home to the UK in December for the holidays and was going to start the new gig in the January. I remember watching the video in a London pub for Destiny's Child, Independent Woman. And I got so excited, a little bit of we came out as I realised they were on the label I was going to be working for. Yeah, pelvic floor exercises were never my thing. Sony had all the best artists on their roster over the six years I worked there. I met a myriad of superstars, one hit wonders, divas, knobs and made some absolute friends for life. I mean, I still pinch myself at some of the artists I've been up close and personal with. One thing I will say, though, is with the exception of James Taylor, I was surprised at just how tiny musicians are. There we are. Little fun fact for you. Now, back to the job. First up, and literally two weeks into my new role, Sony had a global superstar heading to Sydney, Jennifer Lopez, a.k.a. J.Lo. The lead-up preparation ahead of her trip down under was incredible. I remember as part of her artist rider, her people had asked that the hotel suite she was staying in be freshly painted, new bed sheets bought, as well as furniture brought in and we were to order hundreds of expensive diptyque candles. Now, the best bit was there were so many candles left over, we just all had fancy-smelling homes for months. It was great. Now, J-Lo had recently broken up with actor Ben Affleck and was rumoured to be with one of her backup dancers. So the media scrutiny from around the world was huge. We'd arranged a press conference at Boomerang House on the water in Sydney Harbour. Now, it's one of the most amazing examples of Spanish Art Deco in Australia. And for film buffs, it featured in Mission Impossible 2. So we had all the media in situ on the lawn, ready for the star. And in true movie style, JLo arrived to the conference on a jet boat. My God, I was like a kid in a candy store. This was my job. Oh, I was so bloody excited. After the press conference, a small group of record company types, along with J-Lo and her team, were ushered onto a yacht moored at the mansion's private jetty. As I worked in publicity, my team were on the boat to help with the photos. And we were also presenting J-Lo with a plaque to commemorate her Australian record sales. I was given the task of holding the plaque before our CEO presented it to her. It was enormous. The plaque was heavy, and as the presentation was taking place in the bowels of the boat, space was really tight. Before I knew it, I was wedged against the back wall, heavy plaque leaning against me, with j just in front of me and the award. Now, before I go on, I need to back up as we need to talk about Miss Lopez's famous rear. Remember, this was years and years before the Kardashians hit the headlines with their curves and famous bottoms. As someone who doesn't really have much of a bottom to write home about, I was in awe of Miss Lopez's derriere. It was magnificent. How that lovely bottom stayed up without scaffolding was anyone's guess. Honestly, it was a masterpiece. Structurally, it was spectacular, and I'm sure it was insured to the hilt. Anyway, back to the boat. There I am, hot and bothered, two weeks into my dream job, heavy plaque leaving an indent on my thighs that's leaning on, and my hands were resting on top of the plaque. And then JLo took a tiny step back. And with that one move, her perfectly formed bottom was literally resting in my hands. Now, sweating like I was going through early menopause, I didn't know what to do. Would I lose my job for touching up the talent? What seemed like an eternity passed. And I decided not to move my hands in case the movement alerted the bottom owner. What if she thought I dropped the hand for a cheeky cheek feel? Oh, Instead, I waited for the superstar to dismount. Amazingly, she didn't turn around and death stare me or slap me in the face. And her people didn't have me frog marched off the boat. So although I'd inadvertently touched Jenny's block, I ended up keeping my job. And I made a pact with myself to never touch the talent again. A pact which I may or may not have stuck to. But that's another story for another day. Oh. Actually, before I sign off, I have one more sackable offence I just remembered. One of my favourite jobs was working as an in-house publicist for a fashion designer. This is a role that saw our team travel the globe and dress some of the most famous bodies in the world. I had a ball doing this gig, as you can imagine, and the small work crew were more like family than colleagues. I have so many stories to share from our time together and I can honestly say I have never laughed so much and so hard as I did with these beautiful ladies. Now as well as the international travel and assignments we also worked on some amazing projects here in Australia. One of which was with Danny Minogue. We worked closely with her Australian stylist Ben who was totally hot and fantastic and still is. Gentlemen I have his details if you need them. Danny and her stylist loved what my boss Joe had been creating on red carpets and were looking for some designs for TV and potentially a magazine cover. As Danny is one of my ultimate girl crushes, I was pretty bloody excited. I was fangirling big time and I was so worried I was going to stuff up and become a bright red jabbering mess around her. The day came where Danny and her stylist were in town from Melbourne and were coming into the design studio. I couldn't sleep the night before I was so excited. I had, of course, workshopped my outfit within an inch of its life and I was happy with the look I decided on. Cream top, cream skirt, killer boots and jacket. The morning of the meeting, I left the house before it was light at 5.45 to shake my tail feathers at the gym and beat the traffic into the city. Workout complete. I showered my bits and I did my hair and makeup. My well-chosen outfit ready to roll and the dialogue in my head going along like, what, you like this whole thing, Danny? Oh, thanks. Just something I threw on today. Rummaging around in my gym bag for my undies, I realised, packing in the dark, I'd forgot my nude G-string and only had a massive pair of black Nana gym undies with me. Ass. Okay, okay. So, I put the Bridget Jones specials on and I drove to work. But once in the light of the studio, I realised how bloody awful the ensemble looked. Picture this. I was wearing a fitted cream skirt with massive black knickers, very visible, and my love handles bulging out over the top of my undies. Oh no. How are Danny and I going to become BFFs with me in this underpant get-up? Massive fashion fail. Not to worry. Just before Danny arrived, I decided to ditch the undies and go commando. Now, in normal circumstances, there is no way I would let my bits roam free. But this was an emergency, you see. Action stations, Danny and stylist arrived. I made small talk, dropped a few of my best lines, got a laugh or two. Jo the designer wowed them both with her creations and ideas and we were nailing this. Danny sat down on a step in the middle of the studio as I leant back onto a chest of drawers in front of her. More laughing and bonding and I was sure at this rate we could potentially be social media pals before she left. And then it happened. As I laughed and lost control of my posture, I gave my best impersonation of Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. Just as I was balls deep in a belly laugh, I realised Danny may have inadvertently been looking straight at my breakfast, as it were. Like a Venus flytrap, I snapped my inner thighs together so hard I left a bruise. I have no idea what Danny did or didn't see at that moment, but... I decided against swapping social media details. Now, what I do know is she looked bloody amazing on the cover of the magazine a few months later. And me? Well, I've always worn a full brief ever since, and my time-going commando was a mere flash. Thanks for coming. If you'd like more, be sure to subscribe. Visit me at Mahoney.com or check me out on socials at Catherine Mahoney.